delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. Big show coming your way very shortly. Tom R. Chuli, the Doric guy, is going to catch up with Hunter McElroy. What an amazing uh, few weeks it's been for Hunter over in the States. We'll have a chat to him about that and much more and what might be coming up in the future. Richard Crowell and Mark Walker to join me to talk about everything that's been happening in the week of motorsport. And we'll also give our hots and knots for this week. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. Nine of the Indy Light season heads to Iowa Speedway. And joining me is the previous race winner, Doric Ambassador Hunter McAray. Good, good morning, my friend. Yeah, good afternoon here from uh, Indy. I think it's morning for you, afternoon for me. So uh, whatever that's, I don't know what you say there, good afternoon slash morning. But uh, no, yeah, obviously last round was, was mega. You know, finally got that uh, elusive win off my shoulders. So um, feeling good this weekend, obviously. Uh, Iowa round nine of the championship coming up first oval of the year we had a really strong test there uh, about three weeks ago so yeah really looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to going fast so uh, mid-Ohio pretty much the perfect weekend first in every session describe Mm -hmm. the feeling describe the weekend yeah it was just kind of all year was leading up to it you know obviously you know I just talked in the last video we did about um being a little frustrated with, you know, I've had great uh, results this year, uh, lots of podiums, lots of poles, um, and obviously just getting a win. So uh, lots of really good results. But in, until I kind of got that win, it was really frustrating because I'd been in position a lot to do that. Uh, and it just necessarily didn't kind of click or for whatever reason, you know, maybe a bit, little bit of luck didn't go my way or, you know, I made mistakes when I had wins in the bag or whatever, it just kept escaping me so to to get that win it was kind of uh, a huge relief and it's kind of funny you know when you sometimes when you force something it kind of works against you you know like like I kind of talked about in the previous previous episode we did so um yeah did exactly what I said I was going to do um in terms of just having fun and it's pretty amazing what happens when, when you know when you feel confident in the car and you're having fun um you know, as an athlete, being in the zone, I guess it's one of the best feelings ever. So, yeah, P1 in every practice, P1 in qualifying, let every lap, fastest lap by half a second. Doesn't get much better than that. So tell me about, like, you, you, you smash a weekend like that and you're a young guy and you're living your dreams, right, having a crack. Tell me how many text messages you get, like how many instagram followers do you get like tell me like how it feels like what happens after a race for someone like yourself like how long are you spending replying to people for example it was funny actually you say that because um obviously any lights is quite a high category um obviously the the highest junior category north america um you know america's version of f2 if you will um and indycar taking ownership of the series really has kind of boosted it up a bit you know they do a lot of kind of posts about it on the indycar social media and things like that so naturally you know the indycar fans are paying more attention and the indycar teams obviously are following really close too so um yeah i think after the race i had about 50 text messages in total and it was cool just to see the amount of people that are 
you know, not necessarily um, just the people I know, but just all these people that are messaging me, you know, good job, like race fans that I've never met. And it just kind of shows that how many people are watching, you know. So um, all, obviously all my family and friends um, reached out to me and uh, it was it was a good feeling, you know. Everyone knows how much it, it means to me and, uh, and my family. And um, no, it was a good, really good moment, you know, to have my dad there was was really cool obviously he's been with me through the ups and downs and uh yeah just felt like a, a really good feeling you know and i guess all the other stuff like the followers and all that you know it's all byproducts of of success and uh obviously not why i do it i race for love racing but it's it's cool you know i think i got about 500 new followers in a day or something so it's um it's all kind of just nonsense but at the same time it's great you know obviously i have great supporters like you guys um and i want to represent them to as many people as i can so it helps, right? Yeah, sure does. All right, let's talk about Iowa this weekend. Seven-eighth of a mile or 1.4 kilometres in our language. Tell us what it's going to be like in the Indy Lights cars. Yeah, it's really, for me, it's probably the favourite oval I've been on. I, I don't know if that's just because it's in the Indy Lights car going way faster than I ever have in any other car, but it's really cool, man. Like, your flat and qualifying trim, so low fuel on new tyres, um, it's really cool. It's really cool because it's not easy flat. You know, you really have to be confident and, and trust everything. But it's um, a really character. You know, it has a lot of little characteristics that are unique. Like it's quite bumpy, honestly, um, for an oval. There's little bumps in places which can unsettle the car sometimes. So you have to be really on top of your game with your car placement and things like that. But um, I think Deg is going to play into part a little bit. You know. I think our race is 75 laps long. So honestly, around an oval, it's going to be our shortest race. Um, so it's actually not going to be that long, even though it's 75 laps. Obviously, with your oval lap being so small, but I think degradation is definitely going to come into it. So being in dirty air, which we call you know following other cars, um, being a 20-second lap, even if you qualify on pole, you're going to be catching lap traffic in 10 or 20 laps. So you're going to always no matter where you are, you're going to have to deal with some lap traffic or some cars in front of you giving you some dirty air. So you've got to be really smart um, where you place your car uh, and kind of how you adjust your tools in your car to, to stay on top of that the most. So it's going to be a, a really interesting race. You know, it's even I think as much as it is a track position race, you know, starting on pole is going to be a huge advantage. It's really going to be, you know, not over till it's over with the lap traffic and the tire deg and things like that. So um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, I think, for me, another really good weekend. We were, like I said, really strong on the test there. I feel very, very confident in my one lap speed going off the test. Um, it's going to be a little bit hotter, but uh, we'll see. You know, I, I feel confident and I'm as ready as I can be and uh, I'm ready to have some fun. Yeah, great. Okay, fourth in points. Six races to go, about 100 points off the lead, 50 for a win. Where are you going for this title? Always. You know, obviously, I, I didn't make it easy on myself um, the first couple of races, but, you know, obviously, the last, I think the last three or four races, I've scored the most points out of anyone, um, which is good. You know, obviously, um, doesn't mean anything, those stats, but it's, it's nice and shows the performance that I've been really putting in recently. And uh, three straight podiums, it's, it's what, you know, where you need to be is on the podium always um, to win championships. And uh, Linus is 
done a really good job of being consistent. I think the worst he's finished is fifth, but he hasn't really had a, a bad round yet, you know, or any bad luck. So um, you, you never wish that on any, anyone. I want to race him clean and hard um, the whole year and have no, no luck or anything come into it. But, you know, it just happens. Everyone has that one round where something maybe doesn't go to plan. So you can't really waste time thinking about that. So uh, I think think if I finish, if it finishes how it did at the last race, every single race i'll be the champion so i'll just try to do that uh every time and it's obviously a bit of a gap i'm super close to p2 in the points um which is good but uh obviously you know if there's a chance i'm going to be pushing for it so uh the pressure's kind of off like i said as much as i want to win it's it doesn't really help trying to add anything or add any pressure um to try and do that so Obviously, I'm always pushing for the championship and uh, to the last lap in the last race of the year, I'll be pushing for it. And if I can do it, amazing. You know, and if we, if we get full short, I know I've given everything I've had. All right, let's go. Enjoy the uh, high-speed oval and uh, don't get too dizzy, man. <laughs> Thanks, mate. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. All right, joining us for our final chat, the trio tonight, not the quad, but the trio of Richard Crowell. Crazy, hello. It's a good, I suppose it's like a trifecta. It depends what your payout is, though, whether you feel like you're getting value over the quad that we had last week. But hello, Tony. Nice to be yes. with you once again. Uh, sometimes trifectas pay more than quads. Mm. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, I, yeah, I shake your head, Mark Walker, because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about either. How are you, buddy? Yeah, sorry. Mathematics, not my strong suit. Or quality or quantities. Yeah, i got no idea. So hopefully it goes well. Uh, how was the weekend for everyone, non-motor racing wise? Yeah, it was a bit quiet, wasn't it? No no Formula One race. Uh, it was good if you were nocturnal. So Mark was probably satisfied. But it was, um, yeah, not, not a massive amount on, but some good storylines rumbling around our sport and probably leads us into talking about IndyCar racing because there's quite a bit going on in that side of the world at the moment and they were in Toronto for the Honda Indy which is cool and first time back there since the pandemic and was yep. greeted with a really good crowd uh, really entertaining motor race as they have been all year in IndyCar racing and a pretty amazing result Shebex in the end for one of our favorites and one of the the greats of the sport in Scott Dixon yeah the Brisbane born Kiwi uh, that's because he won we call him that uh, yes, good win for him. Shocker for Will Power, though, mm. in regards to a man who was really trying to accumulate some more points to stay in touch with the championship. That's uh, that, has that just left him? Yeah, it hasn't. It hasn't helped his cause, has it? So he's still second in points coming out of Toronto, but uh, gave up ground to Marcus Ericsson, who really solid top five, actually extended his championship lead. But the the story was Scott Dixon and and. Shebex, if New Zealand don't name at least some of the North Island after this guy, there's something wrong because he has to be one of New Zealand's greatest sporting Sportsman. exports. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he equaled Mario Andretti for second on the all-time winners list in IndyCar racing. The That's only amazing. driver with more wins is AJ Foyt. But there's an argument to be had that... Um, 
the, and it's impossible to compare eras, but what, what Scott Dixon has done is done it a lot of his winning in the most competitive era of IndyCar racing possibly ever when everyone's in the same gear, you know, races are decided by hundreds yeah. of a second rather than laps like they were in the 60s and 70s. So nothing against AJ Foyt. He's still obviously one of the greatest of all time. Uh, so he's equaled that. The, the, but the stats are amazing. So he made his IndyCar debut in 2001 for PacWest in what was CART, the end of, of the CART yep. World Series. He won that year. He didn't win a race in 2002 when he switched from CART to IRL. He didn't win in 2004 with Ganassi because Ganassi were in uncompetitive cars. But he won in 2003, and he has not he has not gone winless in an IndyCar season since 2005. It is utterly bonkers that he has won at least one race every year since then. It is an amazing yeah. track record. Phenomenal. Yeah, certainly is. Mark Walker, you would have to be equally as impressed as uh, Richard about Scotty Dixon. He was always a bit special, wasn't he? Like when he was racing in Formula Holden in Australia, it was like, wow, okay, he's pretty good. He's going all the way. He's, he's going to do some big things. And even then, like in his rookie IndyCar days, yeah, he, he had that bit about him that, wow, he's uh, pretty good. And it's incredible, isn't it? He just keeps on uh, pumping out the results. Another big one there in the weekend. But for mine, the big one in IndyCar circles this week, Alex Palau. Mm. What a situation. What, what's your read on that, Rich? Well, I, I'm going to save my take on it to the power rankings at the end because it's <laughs> going to be either hot or not for me. And I'll tell you what it is later. But it's it's a really interesting circumstance. And, yeah, that's clearly the lawyers are the only people who are going to win out of this. So clearly Ganassi think they've got him. Um, Polo thinks he's going to McLaren. McLaren think they've got him. Um there's no way I can see Polo having been through this driving for Chip Ganassi next year, though, because no. why? Why would like you're better off taking a year off rather than driving for a team you don't want to be at? We've seen this before so many times in the sport. It's the Shane Van Gisbergen thing here, isn't it? Yeah, the amazing thing for me, Richard, is that both sides of the stories seem both so far away from each other that it's near impossible to actually try and tell mm. what has happened. Yeah, there's, well, there just there doesn't seem to be any middle ground between both stories. No, it doesn't. And and Ganassi are adamant that they've got a contract out, but it, it's got all the hallmarks of everything being real last minute rushed. And Ganassi put out a statement saying that we've elected to um, extend Polo's deal, take the option up on his contract. And why wouldn't you? Because he's going freakishly well won the championship last year hasn't won a race this year but he's been second three times he's been on on the podium another time yeah and he's third in the championship less than 40 points out of the championship lead so he's going brilliantly um so of course you'd want to keep him but Pelot clearly feels like he can get a better deal somewhere else the the word from the states is that the deal he did with Ganassi was pretty cheap because he came from Dale Coyne he wasn't a a name driver. He he didn't bring championship success with him. It's not like they were a, a team signing a Joseph Newgarden or a Scott Dixon. So it was a pretty cheap deal. Um, went and won the championship. All of a sudden, turns out that he's pretty genius at this IndyCar business um, and has been offered, you'd imagine, very, very good money from McLaren to go and join that team who are spending up big to, to go to three cars and they've signed Alex Rossi and they've got Pato Award and now they think they've got Alex Pillow, which would make them 
arguably the strongest three-car driver lineup outside of Penske. And, um, but Ganassi feels otherwise. So there's, there's something in there that will click with the lawyers when they take this to court, because that's what's going to happen. But it's bloody interesting. Is the carrot of Daniel Ricciardo's seat dangling somewhere in that mix? It must have been. And other reports I've read were that that the out clause for Polo was that if, if an F1 opportunity was offered, he could get leave Ganassi. Yeah. So that could be my only thing is that Zach Brown's gone, okay, we'll make you a test driver or something like that. But there's no way they put Polo in Ricardo's seat because that's got Colton Herter written all over it. Yeah. Tested the car, tested for McLaren, their last year's car at Portimao for two days, young, fast American for a team led by an American who's a commercial genius at selling to the American market. I like just, McLaren, like it's match made in heaven for them. And Colton Hurd has been pretty clear about wanting to go to Formula One. So, so the problem yeah. is all these guys are in that pool of that they can draw on. They can just battle it out between themselves. Like McLaren doesn't really care. No matter what, they're going to have good IndyCar yeah, drivers, drivers. And everywhere. they can yeah. pick the best of the bunch to take that second F1 seat. Mm. Yeah, I uh, I haven't seen the race in Toronto yet. You mentioned Colton Herder. There was a bit of talk that uh, our own Scotty McLaughlin might have hampered his efforts to oh. win that race in Toronto. Thoughts on that? Yeah, look, it just pit lane there is really difficult, and things just didn't work out, did they? But I don't, there's nothing malicious in it, I don't think. No, for sure. And, and ultimately, Scotty he got mugged on the last race start and and dropped from the top six to ninth, so he didn't have a a great day, solid top 10 and, and still seventh in the championship. But yeah, no, it's, you know, Andretti, Andretti Autosport have got bigger things to worry about than Colton Herter finishing second when he was leading. But like Dixon was never going to be beaten in that race anyway. Dixon mm-hmm. passed him, I think, before lap 20 and was driving away. Um, and like he does all the time, was inventing fuel when unexisted to with the fuel economy that he so magically does. And he was just superb. So I don't think Herder, I don't think Herder was going to win that race regardless yeah. of what happened in the lane. Uh, Will Power, we spoke about him just at the start of the conversation. What went wrong? What, how did it go so bad? I uh, just don't qualify well, did he? Mm. Tough if you qualify down the back, especially at that place, and then didn't get the rub of the green with the yellows. Yeah. So, but he's still second in the championship, Shebex. So not out of it. Um, Penske car's always good at Iowa, double header two races, things can swing pretty quickly. If Ericsson has one bad race there, um, the game changes and Will Power has a, a really solid weekend. He'll be good. They, they tested their, um, before the last race, uh, half the IndyCar field, McLaughlin was fastest. So you'd expect them to be very, very competitive there. So oh, look, but everyone has these up and down races. Like you look at the top three in the championship. In fact, almost every driver in the top 10, in fact, I'm just re-rising this as I look down. Every driver in the top 10 of the IndyCar Championship has had a finish worse than 15th at least once this season. Mm. So that's just so – it's so up and down and unpredictable. So, yeah, it's uh, – you're going to have a bad race every now and then, even if you end up being champion at the end. Well, while there still seems to be some competition in the IndyCar Drivers' Championship, it would seem that the other two uh, – championships that we follow closely, supercars and Formula One, drivers there seem to be fairly cruisy in their pursuit of championship. And I speak, of course, of uh, Max Verstappen in F1 and Shane Van Gisbergen 
here in Australia in supercars. So for me, that means there's only one thing to do. And if we're going to have a championship to follow, we're going to have to follow the team's championship because in both those categories, the closeness in points is absolutely quite amazing. Yes, I think you're riding off Formula 1 a bit soon, though. Shabax? You reckon? You don't think... Well, don't think like... Max- Charlie, as good as your last race, aren't you? Leclerc oh, yeah, beat him outright last time, passed him three times to win the Austrian Grand Prix. Um, Ferrari on a, a bit of a roll. They've had a, a, a blip on the radar, but they've they've won the last two races. So, yeah, it's, it's what, 38 points now, but 25 for a win. So he's only really a race and a half outside the lead of catching Verstappen. So Okay, going, so let's pretend that Max Verstappen is like, Way ahead. Well, why don't we just use the supercars one where there is no chance that anyone beats Shane Van Gisbergen this year? You're right. And there's only 10 points in the team's championship between yeah. Red Bull and Shell V Power Racing. The question is, does anyone outside of Shell V Power Racing or the Red Bull Ampol Racing team give a damn about the supercars team's championship? No. <laughs> right. Good chat. So. No, Thanks for listening to On The Grid this week. But it's just... <laughs> When you're in the, the circus, I mean, you're, you're the top two teams or any team in supercars, it matters a lot because mm. it just reminds you of how good or bad you were the, ne- the whole next year when you're parked, you know, I had it described to me as the stupid end of the pit lane mm. once and you feel it because you, you know, it, sometimes with supercars, it's good to be the very first pit in, but typically you want to be where Red Bull and the uh, Shell V Power guys are down the other smart end of the pit lane, and you know they have a much clearer run out sort of thing. So for them, it's important. I don't know. We just we haven't been brought up on it, have we? No. You know, no. it hasn't been a part of really the psyche of what we're trying to achieve or, or what we really talk about. You know, well, and it's not sold. About- it's not yeah. sold either, is it? Like we don't yeah. get a team's championship graphic when they show the drivers' championship points, like you do in Formula One. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think there's so much more on the line in F1 with the constructors that it's it's literally millions and millions of dollars. Is that because there's a bit of inequity, I suppose, in the fact that we have single car teams? So it's not a proper teams championship? No, no but, but it is. It's constructors over in Formula One. Like yeah. it's literally, it's Ferrari versus Mercedes. Like they are constructors. Here it's mm. just different teams sort of thing. And it is a bit mix and match. You know, you have... Tickford one and Tickford two and Brad Jones one and Brad Jones two. It's it's a bit of a weird little situation that we've got going on there. So, you know, it probably would have been more of a better thing back in the day when everyone had a two-car team. But mm. now you've got uh, two and three and four-car teams. It's uh, a bit sort of all over the shop, isn't it? Yeah, we should clarify that, though. When you say it's constructors, it actually, by constructors, they mean the people who build the car, not necessarily the engines. So not all the or not oh, all the yeah. Mercedes yeah, engines course. band together and get points, just in case people were listening and weren't aware of that. Hmm. Yes, hmm. no, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so, who wins the supercars championship this far out? Can we say drivers? No, no, teams championship. What's I don't care about the drivers championship anymore. <laughs> We've well, already awarded it. SVG. <laughs> it. He gets beaten. There's something seriously wrong with the world. Uh, well, well, there has I, to be, does it? In all, in all honesty, there has all, to be. It, it is depends. his to lose. Yeah, it is. It, it all the, the team's championship all depends on Brock Feeney, in my opinion. So absolutely spot on. He's the only of the the top three, only driver in, in, within Triple Eight or DJR that haven't won a race yet. 
So if Feeney finds some form and wins races in the second half of the year and Shane continues to do what Shane's doing, then T8 win it, clearly. But if, if Feeney continues just to this, this rookie year that he's having sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, you know, back in the top 10, and DJR continue to be quite impressive like they have been for the last two or three rounds, Darwin especially and Townsville, they were quite good with some more pretty, podiums. Pretty much everywhere bar Winton, really. They're, yeah, they're, they're very strong uh, with two cars. So they are a strong two-car team. Then absolutely, I, I, I would put advantage to the Ford Mustangs in that equation. For sure. The other interesting one for mine is that I think there's some bragging rights between Grove Racing and Walkinshaw, mm-hmm. fourth and fifth. And right now they're split by four points. Uh, and, and just this yo-yo form of both teams this year, it could come down to who finishes higher at Bathurst at a double points, well, it's essentially a double points round, 300 points for a win, that it could come down to a Bathurst result dictating which one of those two teams finishes higher in the team's championship. And, you know, you finish fourth or fifth, who cares? But between the two of them, it's a bit of a bragging rights thing, especially given Grove uses Walkinshaw engines now and Walkinshaw switching to the same brand as car as Grove's next year. So it's just an interesting little subplot there um, with Tickford in the middle of them all in no man's land in third place, just just being reasonably consistent now. So, yeah, it's an interesting little fight, but there's just not much, not much impotence put on it. I think the other thing that's interesting too is the fact that uh, Triple Eight have blocked Shane from driving the Trans Am car, as uh, well as a, a couple of other things. So they they really, it would seem now, want Shane to focus wholly and solely on the job at hand in supercars. Would that be right? Yeah. What was the reasoning behind that? Because is he still running all his rally stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it, we'll it, have to do Rally like, New Zealand. So surely the rally stuff has a lot more degree of danger about it than banging around the. Well, I realised the round he wanted to do was QR, but you're not going to end up parked in a tree there like you might halfway down the Rally New Zealand stages. Mm. So, yeah, I I think there's politics involved there beyond Triple Eight team level, I think. I think it's pretty clear supercars don't want him in a Trans Am car. For for what reason, I don't know, and they may be okay with it, but... Um, that that's the the hot chat in the paddock. It's, I, I find it disappointing. I, I was looking forward to seeing Shane in those cars at the at QR in a couple of weeks at the Speed Series round. I thought it'd be a really good show. Interesting to see where the the young blokes like Nathan Hearn line up against him in that series, and and that's a really good benchmark for those kids. It's the best driver in the country at the moment. So I, it's a bit frustrating that he doesn't get to doesn't get to have a go. I'm sure Shane doesn't care one way or another, but he's always been pretty open about the fact that he wants to be that guy that's in a car every weekend. Yeah. He's very old school in that respect. So yeah, it's a bit disappointing to be honest, but anyway, that's, uh, that's the way it goes. He'll be uh, in a rally car and loving life over in New Zealand in the world rally championship in not too far away a time. Hey, uh, speaking of categories, saw an email, I think come out from you this week in regards to the Bathurst six out for next year and Mm. the, putting out fearless for who would like to be involved. What happened to the categories that were involved this year? Well, it's a year-by-year relationship, Chebex. Okay. So you've got to trade a mean to keep and keen, well, Chebex. Okay. It's, 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 a, it's a demand. So they don't have first? Well, I don't know the contractual refusal? status of support categories at the Bath of Six Hour Chebex. I don't know how that works. Maybe they do. Yeah, obviously but, neither do I. 
there's there's very little opportunity to race at Mount Panorama. So demand is always higher than supply. So it makes sense for the promoter to put a call out to categories that may not be on the radar. Yeah. There could be a 60-car field of, I don't know, Mark Sports cars or Group N cars from Perth. or so I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. But the, the whole idea of that was to... Put, a, put the feelers out and see what's out there. We know what's been at the six hour in the past. It works. It's a good program. Um, but we don't even know what of the speed series category is going to be there next year. Will it be a round of TCR? Will Trans Am be there? There's a, a finite number of rounds they can go to as well for their calendar. So I think it's just good good business to um, find out who feelers out yeah, and, and see who's out there. You know, the thing is that Bathurst, it's a very expensive place to put on a race meeting. So if you can get these um support categories in and make them financially viable to run them sort of thing that can half back back the whole race meeting which is what they need yeah hey uh the last couple of years with covid one of the things that really took our imagination and just ran with it was of course the e-series i think everyone got behind it have we missed it this year it's no, because back. it hasn't been run yet. It is coming back in the next few weeks. Yeah, but I, it doesn't have the same appeal to me. The, the, the 2020 thing was lightning in a bottle. It was special because we had nothing else. Yeah, correct. And that, that first night, like that brought joy to my life. Yes. Yeah. I don't know about any of it, anybody else. Likewise. But it was Neil Crompton on television calling fake car racing, which yeah. was just sensational. Was it yeah. fake? Well, wow, it's pretty car, awful. Real, real car, car racing, racing just wasn't real cars. Done, done virtually. <laughs> it, was it was sort of the WWE. The shunt at Monza is all time. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's still car racing, just done virtually. The helicopter but, shunt. Was that the helicopter yeah, shunt? Yeah. 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 But it was a thing. It was lightning in a bottle for a world that needed it at the time. And um, the, the first version was sensational. But but so much of that was about the... the um, the pro drivers, the, the real drivers being there, quite yeah. that's a terrible term to use yeah. because the virtual drivers are still real drivers. But, um, and, and then, you know, it came back last year and there were some supercar drivers and pro-am and rah, rah, but it just didn't have the same vibe. But there wasn't so much of a need for it last year because we had more racing in the first half of the year. So, yeah, the, the 2020 thing was remarkable. It's one of the great moments in Australian motorsport. I genuinely believe that because... Yeah. Like Mark said, it just brought joy to people's life and gave us something for 10 weeks that we didn't think we were going to have. Um, I've never drunk more on a Wednesday night in my life than that little period. The breweries have gone, literally, the local brewery in Brisbane has closed Mm. now, as of now. Because Because of E-Series. Because of E-Series, Wednesday night drinking. Yeah, but it it was fantastic. And in a really dark period for those of us that work in the sport, and everybody else, for that matter, um, it was it was needed. But now and it goes, get, and then to get guests like Max Verstappen, and yeah, Lando exactly. Norris, and that sort of stuff, that was just great. But now it goes back to being a virtual motor racing competition, and yeah. there's there's a market for it, and supercars have clearly done a very good job commercialising it. Yeah, and that's great, fantastic. It, it's a valuable part of their business, and and absolutely keep it every year. But it but doesn't. But it is predominantly gamers, isn't it? This yeah, time but around? well, it is. Yeah. It's all gamers. But yeah. it doesn't become. It it doesn't 
it's not part of the psyche of a motor racing season like it was in 2020. That it was lightning in a bottle. And and even if we, for whatever reason, went through that again, I don't think you'd recapture that magic. Mm. Honestly, I don't think it would be the same. So not that we're going to go through that again. Um, touch wood. Um, <laughs> you obviously don't live in Victoria. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> scares me though. Um, yeah, so uh, lightning in a bottle remarkable thing and I, I i have nothing against people that enjoy the the virtual e-series as it is right now yeah but uh i probably won't watch it to be brutally honest just not my thing not the same uh mark you would have watched your uh little fill of nascar this weekend or this of, morning uh, yeah they, they got the race in after a bit of a rain delay uh christopher bell with the win 14th different winner for the season and basically, the, the deal with NASCAR, uh, the, the playoffs, how it works is that if you win, you get in. Except the problem is they've got 14 winners and they've got 16 spots and they've still got six races left and there's a heap of wild cards still to come. There's a couple of road courses and uh, the decider is at Daytona. So and that is an absolute wild card that anyone can win. So there's a very real chance that somebody who has won this year won't be going to the playoffs and you're going to have really good guys. Like at the moment, you know, Kevin Harvick and Ryan Blaney, um, Martin Truex is on the cusp of not making it, even though they're having ripper seasons, they just haven't collected that win, which is all important. Mm. Christopher Bell sort of been on, on the outside a bit looking in and he's come through and scooped the pool on a day where the Titus ran really well. You know, Martin Truex Jr. Looked like he was going to win the race, but they buggered up the, um, Tire strategy towards the end. Bubba Wallace had a probably the best day of his career to finish third. And frankly, it was for nothing. Like it doesn't matter. He needs a win right now to, to see himself into the postseason. The really big one, uh, it actually stole all the thunder. Um, well, Alex Blau stole all the thunder from NASCAR early earlier last week when um Denny Hamlin was having a 23-11 just mid-season update. And at the end of it, oh, by the way, who's it? It's it's Tyler Reddick. Mm. Guess what? He's driving for us in 2024. So he's, he's a lame duck. Conference. He's a lame duck for 18 months yeah. at Richard Childress Racing. Yeah. <laughs> and Richard Childress Racing's response was, this could not have come at a worse time, end quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very inconvenient to us. So it's uh, very interesting to see how the mechanisms of that work out. You know, he's finally broke through for a win at Road America the other week, which was probably a little bit you know, surprising because he's been so good on some of the, the ovals, especially stuff where you're up riding the wall sort of thing. Tyler Reddick's very good at that. And he's um, tabbed as one of the hot shoes in the sport and begun 23-11, whether they go to three cars, whether Kurt Busch is done, whether uh, Bubba Wallace is on notice. It's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. And what can you tell us about Bobby East, who was fatally stabbed at a service station? I know. That's wild. I don't know. Yeah. Honestly, don't know. I just yeah. read that before um came online here. That's uh, insane. Not good. No, and to be honest with you, the only time I've ever actually been scared in America, and I've been there now seven times, is when I was at a service station. Mm. There's vagrants who hang around there, and they're just, they, they come up to you while you're filling up your car, asking for money and all this sort of stuff, and it actually is a scary experience. The only was- time I've, I've ever felt unsure of myself my whole life traveling around the world was in oakland on a tuesday morning like in the middle of the day it was just it was terrifying like 
Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to describe what was going on, but yeah. Shebex was wild. was that petrol station the one out near uh, in East Indiana? No, this was in, this was in Utah. Yeah, okay, Salt Lake City. Pretty sketchy where we were staying there. That oh, quality, there's yeah. no doubt about it. And what Matt Nolte and I did by walking up to the McDonald's window at the drive yeah, through you almost and asking for hamburgers. Made, yeah, that was could have been the end of us right yeah, there. Yeah, I'm frankly amazed you came back from that. Uh, hashtag indie stories. We could uh, go from that. Should we move on to the Doric Power Rankings? Uh, let's do that. Right. I'll start some Please hot. Please do. I'm going to start with hot. And my hot is the IndyCar contract dispute. I think it's great. I love it. I love a bit of contract Barney because it means the sport is serious and there's serious cash involved. And for too long, IndyCar has been on the fringes of something like this, but it's all been a bit polite and a bit friendly and it hasn't had that box office big sport feel because there hasn't been any contract dramas like this for such a long time. So I think it's great. Remember when Shane Van Gisbergen had the dramas with the whole Erebus situation yeah, Erebus, buying yeah. out Stone Brothers? That was great. It was all anyone talked about. It it was so serious, like one of the stars of the sport leaving a team and yeah. retiring and coming back and the money involved. Fantastic. It's good for business. It dominated the news headlines going into the Toronto race, which was good because outside of that, the storylines are more typical motorsport. But this was... Brilliant. So I'm a big fan of it. I think it's great. Hopefully we don't lose Alex Pelot to IndyCar racing because of it, at least for a season, because he's a very, very good driver. But that makes my heart. It, it's it's big ticket motor racing, and it gives IndyCar a big ticket motor racing feel, and I think it's actually really good for the support, for the sport even. Yep. Uh, my hot is Daniel Ricciardo coming out in the last few days, saying that he's definitely going to honour his contract at uh, McLaren in Formula One, which is fantastic because I don't think there's ever been any doubt about Daniel honouring his contract. I think it might be the other way around. So, But good to see that Daniel has stepped out and said, I'm here, I'm staying, I'm not going anywhere, and you've got me for another year. So for me, that is a hot thing. Well, guys, you, you're probably going to see a little bit less of me. I've, uh, I've made a life decision and I'm going racing. I'm going... <laughs> Go and do motorsport. This is hot. This is hot. Uh, Could be not. <laughs> no, it's hot. It's so hot. <laughs> um, the Pack and Auto Club, they had a car across and a paddock over the back fence from my house. And I went down there yesterday to have a gander. And my goodness, that looks like all the fun in the world. And the entry fee is 40 bucks. And you just go out there and you bang around your road car around no. a little grass racetrack. And you know what, Shebex? It's you can share your car. No. So like I'm gonna have my thing. It's gonna be prepped. It's we're gonna be ready to go. We're going racing over in the back paddock in the car across, and you can double enter in it. I'll give you five hundred. I'll give you five hundred towards it. No, no, no. It's forty bucks, mate. Oh no, I mean towards the car. What are you doing to it? You're just gonna drive you don't don't crash it there's not much to hit out there, I don't think. So what are you are you gonna use the focus or the Oh hell yeah, I'm using the focus. I think you should run the Mitsubishi with a kid seat in the back. Oh, well, we could run the Triton. But oh, here kid, you go. having so, said that, I did get bogged at the MCG last weekend, so that was out the centre wicket. But it it was such a cool thing. Um, so you got adults there; they can do that. But if kids as young as twelve, 
the entry fee was 20 bucks a pop and they could hire one of the cars from the club for 10 bucks. No. What sort of car? Oh, whatever it is. Hyundai XL. It doesn't matter. Fantastic. I thought that was just the absolute duck's guts. So um, that's going to be This is one of the best hidden secrets in the world. Yeah. I mean, it's been hiding in absolute plain sight. It was the site where they had those plans for the uh, Sandown replacement, I guess. But Mm. um, from what I can gather, the Pakenham Club have got a a long-term lease there for what they do with their carnacrosses and motocarnas and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's where my weekends are going to be spent from now on. Oh, please give us some dates. Yep. No, you can jobs read on. more about that on the race talk. Richard, you can, you can come over too. There's like it. I said, you know, four drivers to a car. I drive your focus too hard, mate. I feel I would break it. I can't break a Ford, mate. You can. Well, you better you better have it in front of me then, Richard, because it might be <laughs> yeah. <tough to> play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shotgun. <laughs> right, knots. Uh, my knots pretty straightforward. It's the Wakefield Park situation. Um, it's yeah. really messy. We'll go into it in depth later on when we can get some people that actually know what they're talking about. But it's a terrible situation. But the the bigger ramifications are that if it all turns to poo and Wakefield disappears, New South Wales is in a really bad place for motorsport. Yeah. Um, and and I'll, I'll well, hate the ADRC to, would disagree with you. A hundred percent, they would, and and that could be part of the problem, Shebex. Um, <laughs> the. I'll hasten to add that before the haters jump in and say, oh, yeah, but they're spending all the money on street races. It's, well, the street races are still very important. And if there wasn't the Newcastle 500, there wouldn't be a race there at all. But the, their racetrack situation is now perilous. And the list of states with two racetracks, at least, is now every state in Australia, basically, except Darwin, has two racetracks. And the only one that wouldn't would be... New South Wales, which has the largest population and one of the largest domestic motorsport scenes in Australia. So it's a really poor situation. Um, obviously, the ideal outcome is that Wakefield Park gets some form of compromise made where they can operate to a level that they're viable so they can continue to have national level motor racing. But if Wakefield Park goes away, New South Wales is in strife. And we can only hope that the New South Wales government, which has shown a willingness to invest in motorsport with the both the street races, the the Bathurst circuit, well, the Bathurst events, I suppose, where they continue to be a major sponsor, um, and the new speedway, which they paid for and built, although they've made that themselves by shutting the other one, um, you could only hope that there's potential for a permanent circuit to be built somewhere else because that state surviving on one permanent circuit that is Sydney Motorsport Park will be it'll make things really challenging there and it'll send some extracurricular races to Queensland or Victoria because um, it'll be tough to complete a six round state championship at Eastern Creek, given how busy that joint is. Does it bring forward the plans of building a permanent circuit at Bathurst? Well, it, it, what it might do Shebex is put that back on the table because that's gone very quiet for a while, Yeah, but all of a sudden, you know, it, it's a similar drive to Goulburn to Bathurst really. Correct all of a sudden it might make some sense if Wakefield Park doesn't exist. So I think the Bathurst City Council will be watching that very closely. You know, at Wakefield Park, that place pumps $17 million a year mm. annually into Goulburn. That's a huge wedge for Massive, isn't it? a smallish town. You know, if you sell that to Bathurst, that you're going to have $17 million extra in accommodation and hospitality. On top of and, what they already get from the five 100%. events on Mount Panorama, yeah. yeah. And... and and Wakefield Park, it does, you know, it is focused on that sort of next rung down. It's not those five Bathurst events. It's that mm. all that extra stuff. It, it was running 280 days a year. 
yeah. for a, a regional track. And that, well, that, that's at, probably the key, boys, to the Bathurst thing is, and, and this is coming to a story near you on the race talk, that, that I think that the Bathurst proposal, which was always to build a track that could host MotoGP or that, which yeah. was a pipe dream because MotoGP is never going to leave Phillip Island. No, and if World Superbikes leaves Phillip Island, it's coming to the bend. It's not going anywhere else. Um, so maybe maybe this this makes the Bathurst track easier to get off the ground because they could retool their proposal to bring it down to a level where it doesn't cost them $80 million to build. Maybe you go, oh, we're going to spend 20 and you build a really nice circuit. Forget but about we're going to get a whole lot of state racing every yeah, weekend. Exactly. You, you'll rent it for 280 days a year yeah. like Wakefield Park. So maybe that will see a a retooling of events there, but we need to go through the process with what's going on at Wakefield first, of course. And the ideal scenario is that that place continues on because it's a genuinely good little place to go car racing, but um, she's in a pretty tough spot at the moment. Yeah. It's, it's just a shame because, and I mean, it's a cautionary tale to racetracks everywhere. It's dot your eyes and cross your T's because mm. you go, the root cause of all this goes back to 1993 when the original development application for the place stipulated that they were going to use it for 48 days a year. Yeah. And the fact that it's now running 280 days a year, you know, a court looks at that and goes, you're not allowed to do that. You know, mm. if you've got a, a block of land, you can't just do what you want on it. I can't just set up a oil mine here on my house. Like you, there's rules and regulations in place. And yeah, it's just unfortunate that it's all evolved this way, that they're sort of a victim of their own success at the end of the day. Mm. Uh, why not, if I may? Mm. And yes. I'm going to stick with Formula One is Oscar Piastri and his situation at the moment. My, I, ha I had a really strong understanding from uh, a, a couple of voices in the know that Latifi was finished at Williams after Silverstone and Piastri was basically replacing him for the remainder of the year. And that hasn't seemed to happen. So I don't know what's really fallen apart there. And then I'll read a uh, conversation with Oscar's mum over the last few days and she says the family has been put on hold a couple of times in regards to starts and then being told a couple of days beforehand, don't bother, it's not going to happen. So really messing around with this kid at the moment. I mean, I understand that he's fully compliant with the fact that he's not going to race in 2022. Hopefully that he can, but I think you know, he understands that that may not happen. But to have start, stop, yeah, you will, no, you won't, maybe you will with them, uh, no, it's not going to happen. If that if that's actually happening, then that's really playing around with this kid's head. And yeah, it, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you, he's. I think you'll be all right, mate. Oh, I'm sure. And, he and will the be. the bottom line is, if Alpine don't give him a drive somewhere, he's he can leave. Is my understanding? He's still there. Yeah. So it's up. It's incumbent on them to put him in a car now. Whether it's one of theirs or to go. Okay, yes, you can go and drive for someone else. Then. Really, the boot's on their foot, but it's up to Fernando Alonso whether he continues on or not. Ooh. I'd get rid of Ocon, well, that just, honest, that's Alonso's been be going made, better than him. And, and I think Alpine have said that that decision will be made during the summer break. Yeah, so there's two races left in the next two yeah. weeks, and then then they make that decision. So, yeah, uh, look, he's got some really smart people on his side. Mark Webber leading those um, negotiations. He's pretty canny with all that stuff. Um, yeah, he'll be fine. Uh, I get what so, you're saying, though. Roger. So my not, and uh, I mean, I'd like to have a standing not from last week being James Golding's haircut, but mm. we haven't seen it this week. It might have improved. I don't know. I can't. I can't literally not that because they might. He might have fixed it. You might have listened to the podcast last week and gone sort down. So we'll James, keep it. James, similar. if you're listening to the podcast, could you please 
hit our socials with a selfie. We'd just like to see what's happened there. Thank you. Um, so in a similar vein, I'm going to keep it on haircuts. Colton Herter had a balaclava mm. disaster, a failure, mm. and all his luscious locks fell in front of his face and he couldn't see where he was going. Wow, we mm. no joke, huge. So That's a hairy situation. Mate. Two haircut failures in two weeks for the Doric power ranking knots for me. I'm afraid. Mm. I what couldn't imagine. No, I mean, I literally couldn't imagine. You that couldn't having, imagine that. No, I couldn't imagine that at no. all. No, you couldn't. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Get a haircut, no. champ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it. Great work. Right. Another good week, boys. Thank you. Like it. Supercars back next week. Full yeah, one back next week. Of uh, what's going to happen at the Bend? The Bend's Motorsport Park. It's going to be an interesting round. Very interesting round. Uh, and we will preview that for you next week. Look forward to it. Catch you then, boys. Catch you then. Right here on the grid.